Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kurtzke. And I'm Chad Bokelman. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 143. Yes, indeed. Issue 12. Yes. Of the Green Lantern books. All the best things August had to offer, plus the books we read. Well, we're obviously not reviewing all the best that August had to offer. I know. Let's let's just let's just start. Only we were a much broader comic reviewing web podcast. So tonight we'll be talking about Aquaman, Wonder Woman, <sighs> Earth Two, Animal Man, and Swamp Thing. Speaking of the best that August has to offer, let's start off with uh, <laughs> Jim. What's your book? <laughs> oh, God, Red Lanterns. Red Lanterns number twelve, written by Peter Milligan and. Drawn by Miguel Sepulveda. Um, yeah, this uh, this issue is basically the big, like the the, the next big fight between <laughs> Atrocitus and Abysmus. And uh, yeah, Abysmus is you know he's got his new skin suit that the Guardians gave him, and uh, you know he is fighting. Atrocitus and Atrocitus is, you know, like, you know, you're, you're horrible, you're, you know, you're a waste, uh, and Abysmus is just like, it's like, you know, you, you killed me because I had other emotions, you know, I actually felt other things, um, I, I felt sympathy towards others and blah, 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 uh, you know, you have to, Father, you have to see that your way is not the only way, you know, before I kill you, I want you to see the error of your ways. Now, uh, Atrocitus is uh, losing all of his power. He's almost completely out of power. And if you remember, the Red Lantern power battery has been destroyed. So with his last his last bit of, uh, of power, he shoots off a flare into space. And, you know, who should happen to see that flare is Rancor who just happened to be floating in space next to a whole bunch of dead Red Lanterns, and just kind of like, you know, waxing poetic. And he sees this flare, and he says, Oh, you know what? I don't have anything else better to do. Let me follow that. And I guess a few other Red Lanterns saw it as well. Um, although that's not really evident, because you just see them getting beaten up. Then we flash over... Oh, my God. And we flash over to Zamperon. <laughs> And, you know, you have the whole thing where Fatality is still trying to convince Blease that, uh, you know, that love is the answer. You know, Blease, you knew it the whole time. That's why you came here. You know, here's here's a ring. Just just take it and, and it'll be yours. And Blease just kind of looks at it like she's, you know, a moron. You know, we'll, we'll get back to that. Um... All of a sudden, Rancor shows up on, I don't know, whatever this planet is that Atrocitus and Abysmus were on. And, uh, yeah, Rancor just, like, lets loose, like, this giant blood construct of all these dead lanterns, dead red lanterns that he had just seen out in space. <laughs> and, and Abysmus is like, it's like, oh no, 
that's right. By turning off the Red Lantern power battery, I killed all those people. I feel so bad. You know, because he's got that whole empathy thing going for him. And Atrocitus, uh, you know, takes that, that moment of weakness and um, plunges his fist into Abysmus's body and right into his chest. And uh, he tears out... He tears out a... a, a, a was it? How do you pronounce it? A Dewey A Machina? A Deus Ex Machina? Yes. It's a second blood seed from the foreign versions that he implanted in Abysmus just in case the power battery ever died. Um, so that's freaking lucky. And um, then he, you know, so then <laughs> his his son, his wretched son of business, is just like, you know, just show me some pity. Show me a little bit of affection before before I die. What do you say, father? And, of course, Atrocitus uh, makes his cat eat him. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that doesn't work out too well. Then we go back to Yasmalt, where the power battery has uh, gone from being three dimensions to a mere two dimensions. It's this flat ring. And uh, Atrocitus tosses the uh, the blood seed in there to jumpstart the battery. Um, right before that, Rancor was trying to talk him out of it. It's like, you know, don't do it. You know, it, what does it matter if the guilty go free? Which is really, like, the shittiest argument that you could ever... It's like, no, don't worry about it. What, what's the worst that happened? Murderers go free? Come on, is that really that bad? It's basically like he's setting Atrocitus <laughs> up. It's like, that's all that matters. Oh, wait, that's right, he is. He is setting him up. And then all of a sudden, the other lanterns that were getting beaten up on, they uh, the, the tide turns because now all of a sudden they have rage flowing through their rings again. And, uh, yeah, they break free from, uh, the, uh, the Zamoran shackles and whatnot. And, uh, oh, God. So, so. The, oh, the, the, the whole parts on, on Zamoran were, were awful. Um, yeah, so Blee's grabs the violet ring and vomits, or vomit blood on it to destroy it. Um. Rage is the only way, they fly off, and all of the Red Lanterns that were out in space that, I guess, didn't die, are now bringing back offerings of blood to jumpstart the power battery even more. And, um, yeah, that's about it. And then, uh, as they are basically celebrating the fact that they jump-started their battery. Just uh, below them, um, the other foreign versions are reborn. So, I guess uh, a long-dead enemy will come back to life and haunt them again. Because we haven't seen that story for 12 issues. Now, I thought for sure you would like the idea of the inversions coming back. I probably would... If it, if like, we got tw basically, what was it, like, uh, what are we at? Six issues, well, seven issues 
of Abysmus. Eh, I don't know. Maybe. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, for, for them to now, okay, uh, now we have another enemy that's going to have crawled out of the ground and come back to life for Atrocitus. Yeah, it's like, is every villain that he's going to fight, like, a demon from his past? Like, is that basically the theme? Are they just going to keep on digging up? You know, like, after this, is it going to be, like, you know, his ex-brother-in-law that died from the Manhunters that, you know, he's been slowly stewing or whatever, and now he's going to come back to life and, you know, he ran over his cat or something like that. I don't know. Bullshit. Speaking of running over your cat, when Abysmus just smacks Rage Kitty with the helmet, he says, this cat is starting to annoy me. Part of me got super paranoid, like maybe this was like some kind of metatextual comment on people getting tired of Rage Kitty. But then I saw him totally eat the guy at the end, Yeah. thus invalidating such claims. Um, <laughs> so... I mean, like I said, the, the, the parts that I, like, just absolutely hated the most was everything that happened on Zamoran. Um, be- between, like, the fact, like, the way that it's colored, it just looks depressing. You know, like, I, I know, I, I, I get the feeling that it's supposed to look kind of sterile, I guess, on their planet. It's just that it looks depressing. Um, but what you call it, uh... The, like, the look that's on Bleez's face when she's offered a ring. And it, it, it's two panels of this now. Um, you see that, page? Mm-hmm. It's like, her mouth is, like, wide open. It's like, oh my god! You're offering me a violet ring? It's like, like, it kills it. And I don't mean that in a good way. Hmm. Um, and then, and then later on, like you know, the the worst part, like the this probably like the worst thing that I've read in Red Lanterns thus far. Uh, when Bleez says to Fatality, "Love is what Sinestro's men called it when they raped me." Come on, really? Really? Like, that's that's what you're going to go with? That's why, you know, like... Oh, come on. I really doubt they, they called it that. I'm pretty sure that they, they wouldn't call it that. If they were Sinestro Corps members... And, and it's like... It's, it's such a perversion, you know, of, of an excuse to call that love... Like, to even hold that against love is just so freaking retarded. That's retarded. That's bad writing. Hmm. <clears throat> you guys got any opinions on this? I mean, when somebody does go through that kind of traumatic experience, their relationship with with love does kind of get like jostled around so they kind of have to figure out what's what all over again but like i mean this i mean he 
they wrote this trying to like kind of kind of press a button and like make you go like ooh, but it didn't really succeed. Like there there's a lot that I feel like Peter Milligan's trying to do with this book and the way he's been telling these stories that don't really they just don't quite get there. You know, like <clears throat> like all of like the the duality of like how Rancor and Atrocis are on this basically the same personal journey except they're pushing in two different directions. And they he tried to play up the same thing with Belize and fatality and like how would somebody who's all about hate really feel about love considering her particular background so like i i can understand why you would put a line like that in there but it wasn't well enough done you know reviewing this for the show I, I would have dropped this book I would have dropped it by issue like four <laughs> yeah I mean you know after this like I'm mildly curious as to what issue zero holds yeah. um, well the thing that really got me was like on that that spread at the end where like you turn the book yeah um and this I thought you were going to be pissed about. Oh, but yeah. Atrocis says, All that has happened until now is been but preparation for the work to come. It's basically saying, you read 12 issues just so we can kind of get <laughs> that out of the way, and now we're going to do the stuff that matters. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that, that was the other thing. And they close that page, you know, the bottom of the page, let the Red Lanterns begin. It's like, oh, Oh, now the comic's going to begin. Because this is issue 12, and what you've given me is shit. You've given me 12 issues of, of crap. Well, not, not, not complete 12 issues. There were, like, yeah, no. you know. There's some good stuff in there. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't all horrendous schlock. There were some moments. And occasionally the art, you know. I, in fact, uh... And I didn't really have too big of a problem. Like, like I hate the way that the Red Lantern power battery is drawn. Um, and I, I think that's clearly an editorial thing. And I don't like the way that Zamoran is colored. But, I mean, that's not really uh, a penciler thing. Yeah. Everything else, I, you know. Yeah, this issue has like a bunch of like a bunch of like I'll say specific moments, specific panels that I thought look really well done. Like the the page, it's on like the fourth page in, right underneath the Manhunter flashback. That shot of Atrocitus without his helmet when he's like he's bleeding from everywhere and his ring starting to like flare up and engulf his hand. I thought that looked nice and creepy and like gross. Um the next page where he sends up his flare, I really, I really appreciated the touch where like his his head is blatantly kind of hanging down in shame that he's calling has to call for help and he's like his face is in shadow to kind of reflect his shame kind of thing. Uh, <clears throat> yes, you know what? You know what? Actually, what would be great 
if they could take out all the words and just let Miguel Sepulveda tell the story with his art. Yeah, although that's the one thing I wanted to bring up because I thought the lettering in this really jumped out at me as being pretty good because I like how he gives, not everybody, but he gives a bunch of the characters like their own, and I say he, I don't know who the letter is, is but uh, like Abysmus, Atrocitus, and everybody else that you would put in a panel with them all have like completely different fonts to their dialogues like i like i like that little touch and it's nothing like really <clears throat> overt that would get in the way or anything it's just like it's a nice detail yeah the letterer is carlos manguel good on him i hate this book <laughs> <laughs> The the art the art is growing on me a little bit or maybe I mean I I don't ha- currently have the other ones up in front of me um, but maybe they changed something with inks or or maybe the colorist is doing a little more shading or maybe there's not quite so many lines in the pencils I don't know um, but it looks a little better to me um, there are only two pages that I really like in this entire book and the first one is when uh, Rancor creates that construct. Yes. Yeah. Um, and and it's not so much the construct; it's Rancor himself. He's not like aiming the ring and creating a construct. He's just mm-hmm. kind of erupting. Yes. And it's coming out of his ring. Like he's very clearly trying to catch his own balance and exploding with rage. You can see the ground below him rupturing along with yeah. it. Very, yeah, it's very that, like Dragon Ball Z power up moment. Yeah, yeah, and it and it's also evidenced by the the the, pa- the page right before it where Rancor's flame is is a little brighter than it usually is, a little more like intense, like ready to fight, and then it gets brighter, and then bam, it explodes with that um, that uh, construct, and then the the other page I like is uh, <laughs> of course the very last page. Of the uh, inversions, I mean, yeah. you guys, you guys were talking a few for a few issues about how well this guy draws red lanterns, how creepy they look, you know, and and what better way to showcase the creepiness of this guy's art and art potential by having him draw one of the creepiest creepiest set of characters uh, in this particular universe, which is the inversions. Yeah, he does do a very good job drawing them, and that page and, in general uh, is great. Yeah, it's and it's the only thing that interests me, you know. And, and I would love to see someone like Jeff Johns get a hold of this particular storyline because, you know, he knows so much about the inversions and and what they did and what they what they have to do with Ab and Sir and all the prophecies. I'd like to see how he, you know, how do they interact with with Atrocitus and what he's done? Is is the Red Lantern something they would they predicted that he has? Um, he has uh, corrupted with his own vision and, and hasn't really, you know, upheld the rules. Are there secret pacts that these guys struck together that Atrocitus has failed to, you know, uphold since he's the only one left? You know, are are these are these inversions even the exact same ones? I mean, I know it says they were born and they say we have waited so long, brutally killed long ago. We've been misused. I mean, who knows? It's, do they remember everything? I don't know. 
But <clears throat> if the last 12, out, 12 issues are any indication, it doesn't matter. He'll take a good concept and shit all over it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Look, I, I, I get that we do a, a, a podcast, and then, you know, there are a lot of podcasters out there who temper their reactions to certain books because you know they want to try and make a good working relationship with these people and 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 at least on my end and and uh, i don't i don't claim to speak for jim or dan but i i would assume they feel the same way we're going to be completely honest about these books but that doesn't necessarily mean we disrespect the people who are working on them or the amount of effort they put in it's just it's not doing it, and it hasn't been doing it for a long time, and we have no choice but to be candid about it. And this is, for me, I can't. I can't. That's why I didn't say anything for the majority of the first part of this review of this book is because I I can't do it anymore. <laughs> it's such a crappy book. Well, you know, the, the thing is, we, we all love Green Lantern. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the concept of Green Lantern... Like, we completely love. So, to see it get get crapped all over, you know, by somebody that, you know, in our opinion, is not doing any justice whatsoever to, you know, the characters, to the concept, to, you know, the lore in general. I mean, you know, we, we are going to get upset about it. And I, I think that's completely valid. And I mean, and honestly, like... If we didn't, if we didn't get upset and they were giving us, like, bad books, then I mean, like, I don't think we'd be doing them any favors. You know, like, if, if, we, if we came on and said, you know, how amazing this issue of Red Lanterns was, you know, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, wait, you know, if people are like, wait, you know, they, they think that this issue is great, you know, okay, let me go out and read it. And they read it and it turns out it's like, oh, well, that's crap. I hate that. It's like then, you know, people start to wonder, it's like, well, wait a second, if they thought that was good, then how can you, you know, how can you justify that being good with this being good, blah, 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 I don't know. It's just, it, 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 it pays to be honest, and, you know, listen, I, I'm, I'm sorry to Peter Milligan, I mean, I'm sure there's something out there that he's exceptional at. I just don't think it's Red Lanterns. Plus, there's absolutely no such thing as a creator who does consistently good work all the time. You know, like sometimes they're going to put out stuff that's good, sometimes they won't. And for each and every one of those, there's going to be people that think it's good and people who don't. Like, I mean, I, I forget what issue it was, like 10 or something, where Atrocitus fought Stormwatch by himself with Rage Kitty. Like, I I said it then, I'll, I'll say it again now. I legitimately really like that issue. That doesn't that doesn't mean that there weren't bad issues before and after it, but you know what? That issue was great. I loved it. I mean, hell, look look how long it took me to warm up to Tyler Kirkham's art on New Guardians or Green Lantern in general, and then all of a sudden issue eleven came around, and I like his work, and I very openly said, "Yeah, this is awesome." Now, it's it quality waxes and wanes. It doesn't matter who does it or where it's coming from. And and I don't I don't think that, you know, he's actively trying to put out something bad. I just think that oh, yeah, no. 
Like, he thinks that this is the best direction for the comic, and I think it stinks. <laughs> it's, it's potential wasted, is really all it is. Uh, definitely. That, that's absolutely, absolutely the case. Because, yes, we know. We know what it can be. We know how good it could be. We've read Red Lantern stories that were fantastic. Not to mention, it, 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 the potential it has is evident as because this was being considered for a series before the New 52. So. <clears throat> yeah, and, then, and like, he definitely is trying. Because, I mean, I, I feel like every month I, when we talk about this book, I'm bringing up how, like, like, you can blatantly see the layers that are there in, like, the comparisons to different characters. Like, like we, we were talking about even this month, like, with, like, Atrocitus and and uh, uh, Rancor or whatever his name is, like the like the he 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 he's definitely legitimately trying to tell kind of intelligent stories with these monsters, and it's just not just for whatever reason it's just not working. <laughs> I, you know uh, I, that that may be it. That may be. That may be the key to the whole thing. He's trying to tell intelligent, you know, like long, giant, sweeping arcs, you know, based on these these monsters. And when it comes right down to it, the stories that are going to make us the happiest are the ones that are tales of the Red Lantern Corps doing Red Lantern Corps stuff. Like, we've gotten maybe, what, two issues of them actually doing Red Lantern stuff, and the rest of it is like, you know, okay, well, now we have to jumpstart the battery. Now we have to find a business. You know, and now we have to go do this. It's like, it's like I don't want to read about the Red Lantern's laundry list of things that they have to accomplish, you know, before they can go do the shit that I actually want to read about. Do you think they tried to start a little like, do, like, do you think they should have gone the other direction where they start out, kind of, kind of, I can't think of the words. Like if they if they started out like kind of just pandering to what the base knowledge everybody has of the Red Lanterns is, and then gradually expand out to telling like more insightful stories about them. Because it feels because this book took the exact opposite direction. They started out saying, "Here are these beasts, but their leader is a philosopher at heart yeah. and regretted everything they did, but doesn't." And where do you go from there? You know, it's. I think it also suffers a little bit from from uh, the uh, venom lethal protector syndrome, where now you've got this this monster of a kind of villain that you kind of want to make not too much a villain so that he can be the main character of a book. He can't really do that if he's going around just murdering people in cold blood. Yeah, but this book could work very well from the, you know, the righteous vengeance factor. You know, like these people are are seeking vengeance for, you know, atrocities committed towards others. They don't, like, they're the ones that should be looking out for the little guy when the little guy has been murdered, and now those people need to be murdered. 
you know, when you look at it like that, this book is this what? Okay, you know what? Red Lanterns should be Punisher in space. They have that. It's called Space Punisher. Well, you know, <laughs> should be Space Punisher with rings. But you know, like that's that's what this should have been. That's what it should have been. It, you know, it should have been like a more like an alien slash humanized version of the Spectre in space. They really are publishing that, by the way. Yeah, no, I, I, I've heard of it. Have you seen? Have you seen the cover? No, I, I, I refuse. I refuse because <laughs> that—that's just that doesn't make any sense to me. Punisher should never be in space. Yeah. Give a character a cosmic ring, and I completely buy that they should be in space. But Frank Castle. Didn't they also make him some, some kind of, like, Frankenstein monster? Yeah, Frankencastle. Yeah, you know fun. what? Um, <laughs> yeah, Punisher has completely lost any validity to me. Hey, Frankencastle was fun. I'm sure it was. You know, Captain America was a werewolf once. I could buy that. I could <laughs> buy that easier oh, than course. I could buy a Frankencastle or Punisher in space. Got it. Yes. Anyway... Speaking, oh, yeah, 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 pass. Speaking. No, 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 seriously, because Captain America has some kind of drug coursing through his veins. Yeah, they don't usually make him into dogs. Yeah, well, but then there's also other werewolves out there that could bite him. Well, there's also mad scientists that can make dead people into Frankenstein monsters. How do they undo that? Oh, Magic. Oh. They know who they know Doctor Strange. I think everybody in the Marvel universe knows to like look for the weird look for the the house next to Kyle Rayner's apartment that has the crazy window. Yeah. <sighs> what were you gonna say? I was gonna segue into talking about New Guardians instead of this. <laughs> okay. Nice segue. <laughs> New Guardians it is. Chad? Yes indeedy. Um New Guardians number twelve, Tyler Kirkham's final issue uh, on the on the New Guardians book. Uh, so we bid him a fond adieu first and foremost. Uh, this issue is written by Tony Bedard, art of course by Tyler Kirkham, inked by a bat, and uh, uh, colorist uh, is uh, Nii Rufino and Wes Hartman, and Dave Sharp is the letterer. Uh, and we open up uh, with uh, Invictus taking a bath and his son preparing for his uh, onslaught against uh, Larflees as we cut down to the surface of Okara as Kyle is yelling in the face of Sade, uh, why did you do this? Why did you take the rings? Ganthet loved you and so on and so forth. And she's yelling back, don't judge me and... They're telling everybody to calm down because you got a bigger problem to worry about. Let's uh, get rid of Larflees and uh, get, let's get rid of Larflees and prepare to take on Invictus. And then Kyle steps in and says, "We're all gonna have to work together here for to take on Invictus." And uh, I guess sort of grants Larflees a stay of execution, as it were. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. And then uh, to figure out what's going on. Uh, the Weaponer activates his shield, which turns his hammer into a scanning device. Uh, 
talk about Deus Ex Machina, uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> scans for what's going on as something shoots out of the orrery, which is the giant solar system-sized ship that Invictus pilots. Um, and uh, they think it's Invictus coming for him, and it's just a statue of him. And everyone's like, oh, well, never mind. But statues are uh, Invictus's portals, as it were. So he launches out and grabs uh, Larflees by the throat, then uttering, and or yelling, rather, a very uh, key phrase that I think it's fans of Larflees should definitely hear. Larflees of Ugatu, one billion years I've waited to get my hands on you. Which means Larflees is at least a billion years old. Oh, yeah. Just and thought you guys... We want to know. <laughs> and he smells like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, as Invictus is going up against Larflees, uh, everyone else isn't helping. They're standing by and watching <laughs> the onslaught. Kyle has to talk them into helping out uh, because if one of them loses, they all lose. And then they uh, they do their various things up against them. Uh, or Kilo sends off some uh, ghostly projections of his uh, fallen angel-like brethren, and then they sputter out, and he goes. Uh, uh, Invictus take, takes on Arkillo, and uh, Weaponer says, "You know what? There has to be a kill switch uh, up in uh, Invictus's ship." So him and Monk teleport up to the Orrery, uh, and uh, they Kyle rejoins the fight. Uh, in, you know, and um, uh, the weaponer starts to dabble with the control panels and then blasts uh, Monk away and starts to steal the ship. Desperately, uh, Invictus tries to get back to his statue, which is, again, a portal uh, for him. They keep him away for it, from it, and not only that, they begin to destroy the statue, uh, which... Uh, essentially cuts off his link, uh, Invictus's link to his power in his ship. He starts blacking out, crumbling into dust, dying, and uh, then uh, as in, uh, Larflees tries to suck up the soul of Invictus to join his core, it sputters out as everyone's ring begins to cry, let me out. Something we'll see in Green Lantern Annual number one. Uh, everyone's like, what the hell? And then they turn to Sade for an explanation of what's been going on. Sade says when she stole the rings, it was a reaction to the uh, Guardians essentially extinguishing, quote-unquote, uh, Ganthet's soul. So she lashes out desperately, taking rings from weak members of each core and sending them to the only other person who loved Ganthet as much as she did. Which is Kyle. Romance. Uh, and, yep. So uh, and Kyle asks, well, you know, if if you couldn't save him, what makes you think I could have? And she says, because the ring did not choose you, Ganthet did. Which means he sent, sent uh, certain potential in Kyle, potential which if you can, if you keep up with recent solicits and... Uh, you know, things that will be coming in the future of New Guardians, you will see potential realized in the upcoming issues. And then the dissolution of this little band of heroes uh, is upon us as everyone goes their separate ways, and Larflees admires his new blackened statue of Invictus. And uh, 
everyone leaves and next earth number zero a new team forms kyle's return to earth and a sinister alliance revealed so sad note for tyler kirkham to end on but uh at least it was a nice full 12 issue run yeah um what you going i don't think invictus is dead oh definitely not He's just frozen right now because he doesn't have any access to his power. Hmm. I thought that yes. was that was a nice touch. I don't know. I felt story-wise, this whole Invictus thing kind of ended on a whimper. To me, it's like it's like like okay, how are we gonna be Invictus? Ah, let's just let's just carjack a spaceship and fly it away. That completely neutralized him. He's done now. For now. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, no, yeah, for now, because that's that's what I'm looking for after the end of a 12 issue story that we had to take an interlude from. Uh, the whole reveal with the the explanation with Sade, you know, like we figured out what her whole deal was months before they revealed it, so I felt basically nothing for that. And then at the end, it's like all of a sudden, like I think last month Chad made a comment on how like about like page after page of sudden cliffhangers out of nowhere. But this one just felt like I turned the page and all of a sudden everybody's like, "You suck, bye!" And now the team's gone. I'm like, well, okay. Yeah, that last page really did come out of nowhere. I felt like I was missing a page. Yeah, and the worst part is the goddamn solar system ship still exists. And the Weaponer has it, so we're going to be seeing both of them again. Yes, indeed. And uh, you'll also be seeing the White Met. Yeah. Which is absolutely going to come into play at some point with Kyle and his his ring. Yeah, um, probably. What you call it? I, I actually... I really liked the explanation that they gave as far as... Um, <clears throat> This is not something that Sade would normally be able to do. You know, like, between opening up the rift to uh, release... Um, I, I can't remember his name now. just saying it. Invictus? Invictus. Yeah, opening the rift to Invictus, and... Uh, wait, was it her, or was it the Guardians that did that? I don't think that came up in this issue. Well, either one. I mean, between that and collecting the rings, you know, that was only done because they extinguished Ganthet's soul. Yeah, I mean, I mean, ever since Blackest Night, where Ganthet showed off his elite hacker skills and made every color of ring duplicate itself, I just sort of assumed, okay, if Sade wanted to, she could call rings together. And really need, like, an explanation of, like, what put her over the edge to make her able to do it, you know? Mm, I don't know. I always feel like Ganthet probably has a little bit better handle on stuff like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and in actuality, you know, Ganthet didn't really do too much. He just activated, like, you know, an Owen you know, line of code that was in all the rings because they were all based on Owen technology. Yeah. So it's almost like, you know, oh, yeah, you know, well, you know, all you have to do is press this button right here and boop, yep, there you go. There's a copy made. 
And he was right there with all of them. You know, this yeah. was like, Sade was, you know, activating all these rings and saying, okay, you know, leave <laughs> the person you're on now and go to this person. Yeah, I guess so. The uh, only bad thing I'll say about the art in this particular book is it suffered from having not just Nii on colors. Yes, yes it did. If it was just her, things would have been <laughs> a lot better. Yes, especially after last issue where she just went to town with the coloring and it was fantastic. Like this, like this issue, like I felt kind of bad because I walked away from this issue like very like meh and disappointed in the story, mm-hmm. and and like both because I really loved the art last time around and because we talked to Tyler Kirkham and he's a cool guy, I kind of felt bad about being disappointed in the art this time around too. But like like you said, like it's two different colorists and it's very apparent that it's two different colorists. And but I don't I don't know. I don't think it's very apparent to people who aren't familiar with the book though. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's 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 subtle, but it, we notice it because we do these in-depth reviews. But yeah, it's not I mean, like it's a stark difference. Oh yeah, but yeah. I mean, like I turn the page and I see that spread of all of them flying together towards Invictus, and I'm like, ah, there she is, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite pages. <laughs> that and the one where uh, Invictus is grabbing Larflees by the throat. Yeah. Yeah, and the that shot of Kyle in the armor suit flying straight towards you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the uh, fear angels encircling Invictus. Yeah, yeah, very Larflees of Arkillo right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, but I mean, I, it's def- I like it more than now that I'm talking about it. And mm-hmm. overall, this is still like when I think about the issue as a whole, I'm like, you know what? This is still a fun book. I want the next one. You know? Yeah. yeah Just this one wasn't up to up to the standard set by last month. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, as far as that last page goes with everybody, you know, flying off, like, I guess because of all the solicits, um, you know, and, and hearing the interviews as far as what's planned, I kind of figured that something like this was going to have to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I bought the reason that they gave, you know? The whole thing yeah. was built on a lie. Uh, Larflees wants to go off and do his own thing anyway, so that's not really, you know, difficult. Um, Monk's pretty pissed because he just got blasted through a spaceship. Yeah. Um, Arkillo is still pissed because he's got a ring that <laughs> barely works. You know, um, St. Walker is pissed because he just lost his entire planet. So this isn't going to do him any favors. And that basically leaves Fatality and Bleas, and, well, we just know, we know what just happened with them on, in, you know, Red Lantern's number 12, so... Yeah. They don't want to be anywhere near each other anyway. So, I mean, like, there's a lot of stuff that was gonna, you know, push them away anyway. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Yeah. I just figured, like, once the Third Army starts attacking the universe... We get like them having to like, like picking other responsibilities and going off by, by themselves or something. 
Ah, whatever. <clears throat> and uh, once issue zero starts up, I believe that starts the first issue of the next artist. Or I, I don't know if the zero artist is a fill-in between him and 13. <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah. No, um, but anyways... I'm pretty sure that he's the new artist. Which means... Uh, it, uh, and I'm only going by what I'm seeing. Uh, I think this is the guy that did the art that Jim hates so much from that one issue of Green Lantern. No, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. Isn't it the Key of Z guy? It is. It's the guy that does Key of Z. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can tell. Um, it's because there... Well, I don't want to spoil anything. There's <laughs> Once we review it, I'll tell you why that makes sense to me now. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's a moment in here where some characters are drawn that definitely remind me of Key of Z. Um, so do we want to know... Do we want to go into what's... Uh, Kyle's, you know, what he's going to do with hints of upcoming solicits, or do we want to just wait till to review issue zero to go into that stuff? I figure we wait till issue zero. Okay. It's really cool. Because as we record this, yeah, as we record this, zero was already out. Yeah. Um, so. Don't tell me. Um, I will say that the art that I, I did, you know, I, I haven't actually read through the entire issue, but I got to look at the art. Uh, it looks, I would say, very similar to Frank Quietly. Oh, God. <laughs> you don't like Frank Quietly's artwork? No, I think we've been over this. I think he draws weird, flaky oatmeal people. <laughs> um, Is that what Key of Z looks like? Chad? What? I thought both of you read it. Oh, no. Um, Dan, do you want to see an image uh, from uh, uh, New Guardian Zero? It, yes, it, yes, it basically it, it it coincides with with some of the events in uh, Annual Number One, so it's not really spoilery. That's fine. I just thought you might want to check it out. Um, let me get this image for you then. I hope it's not the Carol page. No flaky no, people. No flaky No, it's people. the one. It's the one where they're teaming up. The double page spread, Jim. Okay. I think I you know what I'm talking about? I think so. Yeah. No. The, but like, while I like the the quietly aspects of it, there are some other things that do come off looking a little odd. Um. But we'll go into that more when we finally review the issue. Yeah, let me get this image for you, Dan, before we move on. Do you guys have anything else to say about this issue? Uh, definite buy for me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, borrow. If if nothing else, then to just just to see uh, you know see Tyler Tyler Kirkham off yeah. on his uh, as he heads to another book. Yeah. Oh, and I think. Uh, we and... Go ahead. I think we forgot to mention with Red Lanterns, it ended with a. The little "Let Me Out" uh, blurb coming out of the rings there too, which yeah. also yes. ended this and, one. And there is the image. Let's see. Uh, sure, right here. Will I vomit? No, no, no spoilers <laughs> um, about the other characters other than Kyle and Carol that are in that one, but you'll you can see why it reminds me of Cubesy. <laughs> 
Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I think I like this. Yeah, well, like I said, it's it, it invokes some Frank Quietly, you know, styles. It's not exactly like him, so. Yeah. Is Nii still coloring the book? Um, I don't know. Let me open up my issue again. Sorry, I have these digitally these days. Which, let me say, I do not like... I do not like reading comics digitally, at least not on a computer. If I had a tablet, maybe. Yeah, Jim. It's only mildly easier. Do they still have the ads? Yes. The digital copy? Okay. Good grief, how long does it take to get it to a title page? Is this one of those damn comics where the credits are in the very back? Um, I'm gonna go get mine. Hold on one second. I hate, hey, I hate it when they do that. And I'm looking this up, too. Yep, there it is. Uh, Tony Bedard writer, Aaron Cooter artist, uh, Andre Bresson artist page 5 through 6 and 17 through 19. Greg Adams, uh, an inker. Yep, Nii Rufino colorist. Good. Yeah, that is good, but it doesn't look the same. I guess because there's so much detail and, um, I want to say shading and really light lines on the artwork, not like such heavy lines like Tyler's. So they're more, the colors are a little more muted. There's there's one there's one you'll know what page I'm talking about when you finally get the issue and read it Dan. Yeah. But there's a there's a one page splash of Kyle um using his power um that you're going to effing love. Oh, when you see it. So I'm sure Jim knows what I'm talking about. So far, I like this art. Did you see the one-page splash with Kyle using his power? Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Dan's going to and flip. Well, maybe. Dan's very hard to please. That's true. Shut up. All right, we should probably <laughs> move on then if we have nothing else to say. We really should. Green Lantern Corps. Oh, that's me. Yay! Okay. Lucky you. Green Lantern Corps, number 12. This one is written by Peter J. Tomasi. It's drawn by Fernando Pissarin. And um, it is Scott Hannett as well. He's the anchor. Yeah, it was very good. Yes. Um, Okay, so... You have, uh, this is continuing from last issue where it was all out in mayhem when the leftover Manhunter bots, uh, combined with the Scion pieces, um, were there any, were there other pieces? Oh yeah, the, uh, was it leftover Alpha Lantern pieces, I guess? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they combined this giant monstrosity creature. Um, so you got that. 
you got the Alpha Lanterns, you got a whole bunch of Green Lanterns fighting the Alpha Lanterns. It's it's complete chaos and just pages and pages of fighting and craziness going on until finally, um, I don't know, whatever, whichever Alpha Lantern that is. Varys. Is Varys? No, I'm, I'm talking about the, the, the chick. I guess it's, oh, it's all of them. All of them combine their powers to wipe out the giant monster. Um, yeah, so they wipe out the giant monster, and then they activate their. Um, I guess I guess the best way to describe it is um, that Windows screensaver where the pipes come out and uh, <laughs> like a whole bunch of weird pipes going in all different directions in three D. They basically do that with the Green Lantern rings. It comes right out of their batteries, and it siphons all the power out of the Lantern's rings, like, instantly, by going into their heads. So, yeah, so they're like, oh, yeah, we've got an execution to carry out. Let's get to it. And uh, then Barracks comes over, and he's like, yeah, it's, that's right. You know, it's time for justice. And uh, what does he do? He uh, he mainlines power from the central power battery and recharges their rings, and then undoes their shackles. And uh, he says, "Yeah, you know, I'm doing what what needs to be done. This is right." So instantly, John and uh, my God, Guy Guy Gardner. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. I, I'm really tired. I guess. John and Guy proceed to rip the power batteries out of Green Man's chest and uh, the other one. Yeah, this is the one that I can remember her name. Like Conqua or something like that? or Sure. The purple chick? Yeah. Whatever. Well, I know it's not Honqua, but whatever. <laughs> so they tear the power batteries out of them and... Uh, I guess then the other Alpha Lanterns are like, you know, you, you're murdering Alpha Lanterns. We're, we're going to kill you now. And then Varric steps in and he kills all the rest of the Alpha Lanterns. He says, you know, we, we, uh, we've gone too far. You know, we've been corrupted. This never should have happened. You know, we, we never should have gotten to this point. And uh, they said, yes, but, you know, you know, at least you came to your senses, essentially. And uh, Barracks is like, yeah, well, now I'm going to have to kill myself because I participated in this. So all the Alpha Lanterns are dead. So it has a happy ending. Um, that let me out <laughs> thing, you know, pops up and all the rings go dead for an instant and then come back on. And uh, we close out the issue, um, the Alpha Lanterns, well, Varric's definitely, I guess not the other ones, um, have been, uh, yeah, Varric has entered into the uh, the Hall of Fallen Lanterns. Are the other Lanterns in there? I don't think so. Oh. oh, no, the horse guy is in there. Oh, is he? Yeah, oh, yeah, and Green Man. Okay, yeah. So the, all the Alpha Lanterns in their original forms are, uh, are, are put into the, um, you know, the crypts. 
And uh, the uh, the Guardians have uh, captured the rings of the Alpha Lanterns before they were able to find somebody else. And they crush it into dust, so there will be no more Alpha Lanterns forever. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Guy and John, you know, take all the, the pieces of the leftover, you know, crap monster, and throw <laughs> it downstairs... <laughs> It's like, well, I wonder who's going to be the next log on the fire, you know, to, you know, oh, what's what's coming just around the corner? And uh, the, the Guardians super creepily say, yes, Guy Gardner, who indeed? It's them. It's the Green Lanterns. <laughs> They're the ones. So, I love this issue. How about you guys? I did, except I mean it. No, I loved it for sure. You, you just love it because it killed the Alpha Lanterns. Yes! Yes! They killed the Alpha Lanterns. The Alpha Lanterns are dead. The worst concept in Green Lantern history, I believe. Uh, Thanks they for went, nothing, Morrison. At least they went out on a good Alpha Lantern story. <laughs> oh. At least there was one that redeemed them somewhat in the end. Yeah, I was sorry to see Varric's kill himself because, like, like he basically like the, over the course of this story, he just he came around. He realized that this was not right, and he made it right. The, yeah, the only way he knew he knew how to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah but I he, like he was, this. He was afraid that you know if it happened to all of them then even knowing that it could happen again, you know, doesn't necessarily mean he would be able to stop it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would have liked to see him, like, get de-alphatized or whatever. Yeah, like, stay on as a character in the book. Th- there is no de-alphasizing. Yeah. It's death. You can't have reverse... Co- you can't have reverse cosmic surgery. Yeah. Oh. I guess that would be absurd. I like I like how uh, quickly people design, and I guess John stays busy on Oa because in the meantime, between you know killing lanterns, um, because well, Mogo's gone, which means that Tree of Souls is gone, and whoa, suddenly there's a crypt of the Green Lantern Corps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, didn't they? Haven't we seen that since Mogo got destroyed? No. In this arc, we did. In this arc. When? What, what was it? Yeah, it was back when um, John was still on trial. And um, uh, Vath wanted to go and smash Kurt's statue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I, ju- I just take it as Morrow doesn't really have much else to do, so I guess he built it. <laughs> yeah, well, did, did Morrow have to watch over the tree? Yes. Are you just Maybe. saying that? Yes. <laughs> so, he, chances are, he probably still had the crypt, but Mogo also had the tree. Yes. Yeah, they really got a lot of use out of that tree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> that tree lasted less time than the Fist of the Guardians. God. Oh, man. 
know, the the fight scene that makes up like the whole first half of this book yeah. was so much fun. Like you have this gigantic screaming monster shooting eye beams. Like that splash page, you look at like I think that's Green Man in that bubble. Look at all of the the ring fire coming down on him, and like some of it's coming from a giant screaming monster's eye beams, and he's like throwing it off, and like what's her face is like making that giant shock wave that's like erupting the ground, and like you turn the page and like Boudica just like crushes a entire group of people under a force field. You got a centaur running around doing stuff. This is amazing. <laughs> The centaur doesn't even need to do anything impressive because he's a centaur. I know, he can just stand there eating a bag of chips. And then when they explode that dude from the inside out, finally ending its torturous existence that John thrust upon it, it's it's such a cool, like, powerful, literally powerful image. When that, that... that screensaver piping is going through the he- their heads. Like, they're physically grabbing the- those. Like, they're being held in place by that, too. Like, that's... Yeah. Oh, that's... Oh, God. <gasps> hmm. Yep. I would say this is a high buy. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, Boudica's dead. They're all dead. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, you know, Boudica's the only one that has been attempted to be featured as a main character before. Listen, Alpha Lantern's dying, well worth the price of admission. God. (laughs) They should bring them back if only to kill them an issue later. Jeez. That was a nice final splash page of the Guardians. Oh yeah? Yeah. The only thing complaint I have about this issue is the cover, where like Guy Gardner's leg is really fucking weird, because it's it's way too small and it's at an angle it really shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, bye, definite bye. Possibly my favorite, no, not even possibly favorite issue of the month. Yeah. Um, I would say. <clears throat> I can't. I can't give this favorite issue of the month. But it was but good. Centaurs. Yes. Eating Tostitos. Listen, they can't always be the centaur of attention. Ha 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 ha. Should we talk about Green Lantern now? Oh, should we ever? Hold on one second. Did I even give my thoughts at all on this issue? I don't know. What do you think of the issue, Chad? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm still not that big of a fan of the art. I mean, it's it, there's nothing wrong with it at all, and I, I still haven't been able to put my finger on what I like and don't like about it. But I will say this for it. They cram a lot of effing action into every panel. Oh, God, there's yes. A, there's a lot of blasts and explosions and people falling and getting hurt and things falling apart and shattering. There's a lot of active art in these things. And there's a there's one where like there's one panel where it looks like Kilowog but he's like super fat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you see what I'm talking about? <laughs> I call him kilogram. <laughs> 
That's awesome. Um, yeah, but yeah. Only... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But yeah, I'm glad the Alpha Lanterns are gone for sure. Um, I like how the Guardians are essentially the the mouthpiece for um, what... Uh, who writes this book again? Tomasi. Yeah, are the mouthpiece for what Tomasi thinks of... Uh, um, what's his name's concept of the Alpha Lanterns? Yeah. Uh, well, we were rash in creating them in the first place. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, no. Healing back. <laughs> yeah, they're they're never gonna come back again. This is our way of getting rid of them. Thank God they're gone. Hooray. Um, I don't like the way. I don't like. I don't like the Guardians' faces. There's something wrong with their faces. I don't know what it is, but. Particularly the old guys. The girls, I guess, okay. But the guys, I don't know. Do you think it's just the size of their heads? Because they seem like their heads are extra big when Hussarin draws them. Yeah, that could be part of it. It could be the giantness of the, like, frown lines or whatever around their mouths, making their mouths look bigger. I don't know. I like their giant, jowly baby heads. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 what I don't like about them. Uh, and I was telling you, you were gone for it, Jim, but I was telling uh, Dan, did you see the panel with the guy that looks like Kilowog, but is like three hundred pounds heavier, <laughs> like a ball of fat? <laughs> Where is that? Uh, it is towards the beginning of the book. Um, uh, it's 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 not a double page spread, but it's kind of laid out like one, where all the panels are going across two pages. It's the oh, the panel yeah, yeah, and the, yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> the fat kilowog. <laughs> Kilogram. Yeah. He heard us. He heard us. <laughs> oh God. I just came up with that uniquely. Oh God. Yeah. I borrow, I borrow, low buy. Yeah. Sorry, I, I just don't think I, I don't think I said anything in that whole review of that particular issue. <laughs> so I had to get my thoughts in. And, you know, to your other point, like I can't, like there's only, it feels like the entire issue was a fight scene, but like mm-hmm. th- that's only like the first twelve pages. Like there's nine straight pages of non-action in this book, and it's it still feels like it was like going a mile a minute. Yeah, I would. I think this is actually like one of the better issues of the new run. Man, what now? Green Lantern. Green Lantern number twelve. Uh, uh, let's see. Written by Jeff Johns with art pages one through seven and eleven through fifteen by Renato Guides and pages eight through 10 and 16 through 20 by Jim Califorje. Colors by Alex Sinclair. Letters by uh, Sal Capranio, something like that. And the cover, of course, by Doug Monkey, uh, letting us know everything this issue could have been. Um, <laughs> the, the blackness reaches Earth. Uh, we start off with basically where we left off last uh, issue of Green Lantern with the Revenge of Black Hand Part 2, where uh, Hal and Sinestro are at the foot of the table of the Hand residents. Uh, and uh, 
Black Hand kneels down, picks up the Book of the Black, opens it up to the page, uh, opens up the pages, and written again and again and again over and over like a child who did something wrong in class uh, is the words, Hal Jordan is not your enemy. And every page is the same. And uh, suddenly, you know, Black Hand realizes that Sinestro is with uh, Hal Jordan because, you know, the guy with the Hitler mustache and the the, the pink skin, the, you know, that didn't really catch his eye because he wasn't wearing yellow. Um, <laughs> but, any, but anyways, uh, Hal fries the synapses in uh, Black Hand's brain, which won't look, work very long, but buys him some time as Hal sends out a distress signal to Carol, but Carol's not really answering because she doesn't have the ring on. And uh, we know this because we cut to a scene where Carol's seated and apparently speaking with Amanda Waller over the phone. And it's uh, kind of inferred that Amanda Waller is asking Carol to join her team, which I'm assuming is Team 7 or something like that. Uh, And she lies and says she doesn't have the ring and she doesn't know where Green Lantern is. Well, as uh, we cut back to Hal and Sinestro buying time, they head outside uh, the hand home to be con- to be confronted by a plethora of zombies um, because, you know, the hand home and mortuary is centered in the very center of a massive cemetery, which is exactly where you want to be when the dead rise. Um, and we cut over to the Guardians of the Universe as they are beginning their their plans and kind of playing exposition fairy uh, for the previous events and, and what's been going on. Um, they start talking about the all the other colored lanterns and just to quote, um, kind of sum up what they're saying, together these lanterns may have staved off the darkness, but they have also created chaos across our universe. So they kind of run down their little plans and what we're going to do about this and that and the other. Uh, and then you cut and see that they're currently hovering above the world of Nock, the prison planet Nock. <clears throat> as we see that uh, the Indigo tribe and uh, Nat Romo are forming the rings, carrying on with their plan, you know, uh, of forming the rings that they plan on putting on the Guardian's fingers. And the Guardians say, no one sneer, very childlike, very angrily, which is not typical of a Guardian. Why are they showing rage? Um, anyways, sneer and say, no one is safe. Once the third army has risen, they will take this world, the planet Nock. They will replace everyone. <laughs> so Nock is the first target of the third army, apparently. Uh, and then uh, Hal and Sinestro are walking through the crowd of the undead, and they realize that these aren't these aren't really black lanterns. These are zombies in the more traditional sense. Mindless dead just kind of wandering around and attacking at random uh then uh more uh dead rise around them as they try and fight them off we cut to black hand who's reading the book of the black and trying to figure out what it's saying and something begins to write on a blank page of the book and we don't see what it is we just see how jordan will be the greatest and then black hand breaks the fuck out Uh, And as we cut back to Hal and Sinestro fighting their way through the crowd, they finally decide, why don't we just fly above them? (laughs) So so they do. Um, And then uh, they uh, talk about how we need to take out Black Hand to take out everyone else. 
So Sinestro summons his yellow ring from his bat cave. Not the yellow ring. Throws it. Not his his yellow lantern. Sorry, his yellow lantern uh, from his bat cave. Throws it down into the crowd of zombies. They blast it with their uh, Sinestro and Hal blast it with their green ring. It ignites the battery. It cracks apart and explodes really really bigly uh, and takes out everyone except for Black Hand. But it happens to knock um, it happens to knock Hal and Sinestro unconscious, and you cannot destroy me. But the book the book is wrong about you, Hal Jordan. <laughs> and he opens the page, says it has to be wrong, and the page reveal is Hal Jordan will be the greatest Black Lantern. And we end on that. <clears throat> yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here that. I did like like I like like I like how like kind of casually just like like firing off a shot at Black Hand's brain I like that spread of like the army of zombies waiting for them outside where they're the brightest light source I like Hal and Sinestro using flames throwers and giant maces and chainsaws to fight zombies I like the Guardians finding out where Nock is. But it's, it's this whole thing just, it, it had like a lot of good individual points to it that did not add up to a good issue. It seemed like a light issue. Eh. I mean, an issue can be light, but still be fun. But this like, I don't know. I mean like, I didn't, Go ahead. No, go, go. I did not like Renato Guides's art, but I did like Jim Califorje's. Oh, did you? Uh, yes. And um, I think the... Uh, who... who is, is it the letterer who does the, um, like the title letters and like the uh, credits as well? Oh... I, I guess. I, I think somebody... Because whoever the fuck is doing that is doing a terrible job. Well, whoever did the... You know, the, um... You know, the titles page, I think they made a mistake. How so? Well, all the eyes are, like, extra long lines. Yeah. Um... I, I feel like that's a mistake, because... I can't really understand why that would be something that you would consciously want to do. Mm-hmm. Wait, all the what? What happened? Every eye in the credits section is, oh. like, it's not an eye, it's a line. Like, they actually use that, that line feature, which is, uh, I guess it's just above the, the forward slash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um... What you call it? The, oh, the Revenge of the Black Can title thing, that looks crappy. Yeah. The, the the credits page, that really, really sticks out as being not good. And even at the very end, at the, at the last page, the, at the very bottom where it's supposed to be teasing what's coming next in, in the next issue, that doesn't look good either. Just a small little colored box with regular font. It all ends in two weeks in Green Lantern Annual Number One. Yeah, you know they always say that 
like with with lettering and stuff like that, you only notice it if it's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, which I didn't really have a problem with any of the lettering in the comic except for that particular stuff. So that makes me think that it's not necessarily Sal Cipriano's fault. Because he's been on the book for a while. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that that was up to him. Like, possibly the title page, The Revenge of the Black Hand Part 2, possibly. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. That might be, like, either an editor or uh, assistant associate editor, or maybe they had, like, a, like a, an intern do that <laughs> that day. <laughs> I'm going to say one thing about each of these artists. All right. First, Renardo Guedes. Renato Guedes. Yeah. He was very eh, but then we got to that two-page spread of Hal and Sinestro coming out of the mortuary, and I love everything about that spread. So, good on him for that. And... Conversely, Jim Calafiore drew the page where Sinestro grabs the battery. And if you look at Hal and Sinestro at the bottom of that page, shooting. What the hell? Like, that looks, that looks like somebody practiced really hard just drawing the outline of characters in magic marker and then colored it in. Like, it's, it's, like, there's not another single image in this entire book that looks like either of those figures. It looks like, (laughs) this, it looks like that was something, like, like, they googled Green Lantern and found some crappy fan art somewhere on the internet and just photoshopped it in and put were bubbles facing it. Like, it's, it's so, so terrible. Like, this, ugh, it, it, it's awful. It's awful. Well, that's all you can say? And that's just that, I'm, I'm just talking about that one part of that one panel. Like, none of the rest of this guy's art in this book looked anything like that. So I don't know what the hell happened. Did he ink himself? Because I don't see any inkers credited in this book. Okay. It's usually like 18 of them. Maybe they all got tired. Here's here's what probably happened. Um, and here's my thoughts on the art. I think uh, Renato Guedes, I think, I think he did a very good job with this. I think his style was very suited to the the topic of the issue. That's true. Uh, he has a very, you know, he's very, he does very good at drawing creepy. Like, he could do Red Lanterns, and I think he would do, uh, you know, a fantastic job. Um, I like his Sinestro. I think it's, at some points, it's a cross between Vincent Price and Mark Strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I really liked it. I thought he did a very good job. I think there are a couple of scenes where, you know, the faces look a little different here and there, but overall, I, I think he did a very good job. Jim Calafiore, 
I think I think he's a good artist, and I think there are certain things that he does very well. I think he would be far more suited to either something more upbeat or something more cartoony. Um, I think the editor in charge of you know getting the second artist to help get this comic done in time because obviously you know you had the Green Lantern annual I guess I guess everybody's working overtime or something like that I don't know whatever mm-hmm. but whatever regardless of the fact these are not two artists that you should have doing your book their styles are so drastically different that to have them both on the book is like it's it's ludicrous which makes me think that there was probably some kind of mega scheduling problem. They needed to get these art pages done as soon as humanly possible. So when they called Jim Calafiore and said, okay, look, here's what we need. We need you to draw these pages. We need them immediately. He drew the pages, and he probably has you know people that he collaborates with that ink for him so that they're not actually you know, listed on there, but, you know, it's just, it's a few people that he works with, which is why you get that one page where it's just, it, like, it's even worse because that's a transition page. You know, that, that's, uh, that goes from Renato to, to Jim, and it's just like, you feel it, it's so harsh, it's like, wait, did I just flip into a whole other story? Like, what the hell? Like, I mean, even the coloring is so much brighter, which it should be because it's a battery, but, I mean, by the same token, it's like you're putting that on a transition page. That's not well done. And it looks like a cartoon. You know, those, those you know, that Hal and that Sinestro look like cartoon caricatures of themselves. Um, and beyond that, you know, like get a couple more pages in and his version of black hand you know looks fairly creepy like all of a sudden you're thinking oh well maybe maybe he he is capable of doing that and then you see Hal on the next page and once again he kind of goes back to that somewhat you know cartoony look um yeah but like the inking on Hal, like after they're done shooting the battery like he's he looks more like a person and less like a marker sketch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's... It's really... It's... it's I don't know. Um, jarring. It's very jarring, the difference. Yeah. <laughs> my, my two favorite pages in this book are the two-page spread of all the dead walking towards the mortuary. Um... But there is something, I, two things I see wrong with it. Uh, first and foremost, it kind of takes me out of it because it looks like either the house is too small or it's Hal and Sinestro are too big. I don't know, the perspective on them kind of seems a little wrong. Well, remember, um, they had to rebuild that thing in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this this one is severely nitpicking. But where are where are they currently? They're in a cemetery. And where are these zombies coming from? Presumably the graves in the cemetery. Oh, uh, yeah. What are, what are people buried wearing? 
mm-hmm. not buried wearing jeans and t-shirts or tank tops and skirts <laughs> and high heels. Well, I, that that's hey, I did I just said that was severely nitpicky. I mean, technically if they, you know, some people don't get the option to get be, you know, to be buried in a suit. No, oh, okay. But I did uh, one thing of of note on that double page spread I want to point out that I really liked. That guy who's got like the black stain running down his shirt and part of his shoulder missing. Mm-hmm. His left arm Oh, it's nice. a bone. Just the bone. That's awesome. Um, but the other page I really liked, and uh, this is, I don't know if it'll come as a surprise or not, or if you guys liked it, but when the uh, the page of uh, when the battery erupts and uh, Black Hand is, like, caught in the blast and is, he's screaming, I really like that page. Yeah. I think that's cool looking. That is a good page. I like that moment before it, too, when Sinestro says, uh, don't stop, have faith that our will is stronger than any inanimate object. Yeah. And then just the look on Black Hand's face when he looks back at his family right before the blast. Uh, Did either of you notice the mistake with the book of the Black? I don't think so. Um, when after when they walk out of the mortuary, and Sinestro starts to fry zombies, he clearly has it under his arm. Mm-hmm. And then two pages later, Black Hand's like, "Hey, hand me that book," and it's just on the floor where he dropped it when he died. <laughs> well, I mean, there's also the thing where first page has a green lantern symbol and then it has a black lantern symbol but yeah the, the book's writing itself as it goes changing art too yeah maybe it's a commentary on the actual comic that we're reading how the Whoa. changes <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <clears throat> um mm. cover was great. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's why I said what it could have been. Yeah. I like the fact that the Guardians, like, found where the Indigo planet is. Yeah. You know, because Sinestro was there. And how about the fact that it's, like, incredibly, like, technological? Well, it's a prison planet. Yeah, that's the prison part. Oh. Remember, it was like 8 billion miles in diameter or something? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, there looks like there's the landmass other than that. <clears throat> or it's Cybertron, whichever. <laughs> I wonder if there's anything that we don't know about this planet. There's probably everything we don't know. No, I mean something important. I'm not talking about, it's like, well, we don't know about the indigenous species of this planet. Maybe it's Mogo's long-lost godson. (laughs) Did you, uh, did you notice the other mistake in this, the art here? I noticed that marker sketch. Um, when the Guardians are kind of playing exposition fairy... 
Um, and they show Kyle surrounded by the rings with Sade. Look what Sade's wearing. Oh, what is it? Where's the page? There it is. Oh, yeah, she's in the wrong, wrong, uh, color mm-hmm. robe. That's a nice Guy Gardner kind of bust. He draws Guy Gardner well. <laughs> At a distance. <laughs> yeah. With beer. <laughs> Yeah, I'd have to give this issue a pass. Eh, low borrow. <clears throat> um, Jim's like, fucking the trend. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I would say high, high borrow, low buy. You yeah. would. I mean, you know, like that... That art, the art, the differences in the art. If it was one or the other, you know, I guess I guess as much as I dislike that, was it issue six or seven or whatever? Um, mm-hmm. That art was really, oh god, I did not like that at all. Um, <laughs> I guess I appreciate the fact that it was one artist that did the whole thing. Although, actually, if there, were, if there were two artists, then I would have been like, well, how come this person didn't finish it? I don't know. Yeah. Right. How many Guardians are there supposed to be? So... Not including Sade or any other potential quote-unquote Guardians, as in Matt Romo? Uh, we're is talking it... half a dozen? Is it six or is it seven? Well, the oh, reason wait, wait, I yeah, ask, yeah. no good. The reason I ask is because of the very first page of Annual Number One. Wasn't it? Yeah, wasn't it supposed to be one for no? Yeah, was one it... for each color of the course. Plus, um, yeah, no, yeah, no, that's right. Okay, then they're fine. Plus Ganthet. Because, hmm. wait, at so one point, should they have eight. one? There, sh- there should be eight. Yeah, because they have one for each of the Spectrum plus white. So why are they only showing six and number 12? Have any more died? No. Huh. I don't know. No, it won't matter very much longer. <laughs> yeah. Speak, speaking of Green Lantern Annual number one. All right, Green Lantern Annual number one, the prologue to Rise of the Third Army. Yeah. This this is written by Jeff Johns, drawn by Ethan Vanskyver, colored by Hi-Fi, uh, lettered by Sal Cipriano, uh, and the with a backup story. Just get this out of the way now. With the epilogue. Written by Jeff Johns, drawn by Pete Woods, inked by Cam Smith. Uh, Tony colored it, <laughs> and lettered by Sal Caparano. Uh, it's not 
Where are all our anchors? God, I don't know what to do with myself. Okay. <laughs> um, alright, so... We're up to, like, nine guardians when this opens, by the way. Mm-hmm. Are we? Yes! <laughs> where are they coming from? Well, I guess we know we know where they're coming from. But, um, <laughs> alright, so... <laughs> I swear to God... I, oh, listen, I'll tell you where this right now. It's going to be a kind of unconventional walkthrough. I'm just going to take you through it the way my brain processed it as I read it. Because oh remember, I thought this was a funny issue. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the Guardians are floating in their space chamber, and basically one of them says to the others, Hey, have you guys seen the movie Equilibrium? It's this movie where totalitarian fascists decide that emotion and nonconformity are the source of all chaos, and... And they enforce their rules by drugging the entire population and employing a whole bunch of killer asses to you know, run shit. And let's do that. Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that. Cut to Ryan Reynolds in the movie Buried. You know, he's in his coffin. His ring's out of power. He has his cell phone. It's great. He claws his way out. He finds out that, oops, Black Hand buried Sinestro too. And it's really kind of funny. He even says in here, I don't even know if I should laugh or cry. Um... Uh, all of a sudden, Black Hand starts to tempt slash torture Hal with the attempted raising of his father, Martin Jordan, which is something I appreciated. Um, you know, cut back to the Guardians. They go somewhere. They're they're flying through this purpley wormhole Photoshop space. I, are they even in the universe anymore? I don't, whatever. They find the Chamber of Secrets, and inside, it's none other than Jim's Leprechauns from Ganthet's Tale! Oh, so happy. See LanternCast85 for details. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> these guys look like... Or no, they well, they look like the Guardians. They are Guardians. They look at the Guardians, and they're like, Brothers, sisters, you've returned! Holy shit, you're evil! And they fight, but the Guardians totally win... And they kidnap the first lantern, who's imprisoned in a gigantic prop re- replica of the movie battery. Except it's all rainbowy and veiny. Uh, we still don't know what he looks like, but he's at least humanoid, and he hates everything that's going on. Uh, right about now, the Guardians realize that Sinestro's on Earth, Hal Jordan's with him, Black Hand is back, everybody has working rings, and they're all fighting. So the Guardians pop in, give Black Hand a cosmic Red Bull, basically, and tell him to murder Hal and Sinestro, thus fulfilling the Death of Superman homage cover. And he does, in a very, I'll say, a very restrained way for Jeff Johns. Um, And with that done, the Guardians teleport Black Hand back to the Chamber of Secrets until they need him again, and they go about raising their third army. Okay, so you only skipped over a little bit. Oh, like what? Oh, God, like the fact... The that, epilogue? Well, well, do we want to cover the... Ep- well, waiting, or... We'll cover that later, but... Uh, how about the fact that... When the Guardians fought the other band of... Uh, older Guardians, or whatever... In the Chamber of Secrets... They had to kill one... To unleash his power to actually free... The original... The first Green Lantern of the first Lantern. Yes, I I like <clears throat> I appreciated that for the fact that at the end you have Black Hand, yeah, who can raise the dead. That's and he's now standing there in front of a dead Guardian, basically. <laughs> yeah, 
And I like this. I like this concept that the first lantern literally is kind of a lantern. You know, like he is. He's. They don't want him to be their soldier. They want him to be their power battery. Yeah. Um. What you call it now? The these other guardians that have been locked away. Um. As far as I can tell, they are like. They're basically Malthusians. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before... They, because they don't have the robes. So, it, it's before they, you know, they made their... You know, I guess... Well, I guess it's it's after they made the mistake. Hmm. Yeah, like, this is, the, this is the chunk of the population that splintered off. And they just didn't commit all of them to the task at hand. They just they held these guys in reserve. Now, well, did the Manhunter succeed, brothers and sisters? Um, okay, so this would have to have been before they wiped out Sector Six Six Six. So it's before Krona, you know, committed his atrocities. So yeah, so basically this is, you know, these guys are all either Malthusians or the very beginnings of Owens. And like, you know, and they're guarding this this first lantern which is utilizing the powers of all the, you know, all the colors. Which is why when he screams let me out, all the other cores are hearing it in all the issue 12s. Yeah. Well, you skipped over an important fact. Look at the power that the Malthusians, ah, as yes. you call them, are using. Yeah, it's white. Mm-hmm. Yep. And their eyes are white, too. Yep. So, now, I guess we're a little shady on the details because the Manhunters use green power. Um, so, I guess, because the guard, because if you remember when we had that flashback to Maltus, when, uh, Ganthet and Krona were having the conversation, and, uh, at that time the Guardians were just forming into, the, the Malthusians were just forming the Guardians, the, a group of Guardians, and at that time they were still wearing the white robes and harnessing the white light when they first formed the Guardians. So I guess right before they started using green willpower alone, they created the plan for the Manhunters, and then they splintered off to protect the first Lantern, quote-unquote. Right, well, obviously... Which is is why these Malthusians still use the white light and the Guardians use green. Yeah, well, the first Lantern must have happened before the Manhunters. Right. By you know they I guess they realized that by imbuing him with the power of you know oh. all the colors of the spectrum, like he couldn't oh. handle it. I know. Is is the White Lantern? Not not the White Lantern. The uh, well, I guess it could be. Um, is the um, the first lantern? The first yeah. Is the first lantern? You remember when we that when we got that flashback to Krona and Ganthet talking in the shadows? There was someone chained up that we thought was Necron. Do you think it could be this guy instead? 
That's possible. Yes. Um, I will say absolutely. And also something I was just thinking of way more less likely um, because Necron is the entity of death, but just throwing out ideas, sticking any, see what sticks to the wall. Is it possible that this guy is the living, the, the, the human, the living, the guardian form, whatever of Necron? Hmm. No, no, because remember how the guardians, remember how, go ahead. Um, the guardians state that they gave him the power. Okay. All right. Just making sure. Um, okay. I'll tell you the one idea that I had, um, and I don't know if they would actually ever do this ever, but what do you call it? Like back way back when, you know, um, uh, the, the whole concept of, of Krona, you know, like the, his big mistake was that he looked before, you know, the beginning of time, and he ended up looping the universes, created the multiverse, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Now, since then, they've downplayed that, but I, I think that to some extent it is still there. Now, if they looped the universes and they could see parallel dimensions and stuff like that or alternate realities or alternate histories or whatever, then what's the possibility that the first lantern is actually White Lantern Abin Sur from Flashpoint? God. No. I, mean, I don't want it. Well, that, that, would, be, no. that would be a far, you know... Like a long shot, but I mean, they're. I feel like they're blatantly like they're teasing us. Like, what's it gonna look like? Who is it? But like, I don't. I don't know. I don't think it's supposed to be that. Well, this is a character that has been locked away since you know, since before the Manhunters went crazy. Mm-hmm. So I mean, could it? possibly be anybody that we know who, you know, we, we would be able to recognize. I mean, you would think that would be the only real point to keeping him obscured. Right. But well, I don't know. I, you know, I mean, like, aside from it, like, being Adam, you know? <laughs> Wait, do, you re- do you really want Avancer back, though? Oh, I yes. think, oh, well, Okay. Yes. Right now, in this in this issue that we're reading, Hal Jordan and Sinestro are both dead, floating around in the afterlife. If they don't go and find Abin Sir and either bring him back to life or have him help out while they're on the other <laughs> side, then I. I don't, I don't even know, because I, I can't even imagine a reality where that would not happen. I mean, I mean, I feel like, I don't know, I mean, I feel the same way, I guess, about, about Abin Sir coming back as I feel about Martin Jordan coming back, you know, like, part of me is like, like, when I saw Black Hand pull his cape away and he was like, 
he's he's like I'm gonna try and bring your father up as a zombie, like that. Yeah, that's something I really kind of wanted to see them play with in Blackest Night. So I was kind I was glad to see that they kind of called back to that here. But at the same time, I'm I'm also glad it didn't work because we've been down that road, you know. And with um, with damn. what it it did work. No, it didn't. Epilogue: The First Soldier. What? Epilogue: The First Soldier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's him. That's either that's okay. That's either him or it's Abin, sir. Wait, who? Do you mean the random guy that walks up? No, I'm talking about no. Just before they do their whole epilogue thing. And, you know, after the close of the actual story, there's a guy leaning up against a tree as the sun rises. Yeah. That's either Martin Jordan or that's Abin, sir. What the hell would make you think that? That's just a corpse, dude. That's not just a corpse. That's that's one remaining person that Black Hand brought back to life that escaped... The wipeout. There were the last issue. The place they're in was covered in dead bodies. It's just a dead body. I don't think so. It's just a yeah, random. It yeah, it's just a random thing. Like it. The only reason it's even there is because they wanted to play with with like the sunset revealing like this like this random shape to actually be something, like, gross, which doesn't come off as gross because of the art. There's, absolute, there's absolutely 0% chance that that is anyone important. I think you're wrong. Well, you're full of crap. So, but like, more to the point, I'm only interested in Abin Sur as a character whose history we can get filled in I don't really care about seeing him come back and do new stuff in the present. I think he'll come back. Okay, look, the inversions are coming back. Um, Sinestro is a hero again. They keep mentioning his relationship <laughs> with Aaron, sir. Hal keeps mentioning him. Um, the Gantha, uh, the uh, not the Ganthas. The Guardians are going nuts, which is a prophecy that Abin saw in addition to the Blackest Night. Nat Romo mentioned him. The Indigo tribe exists because of him. There's way too much happening with him yeah. for him not to come back on the scene in some way, shape, or form. He's one of the biggest characters in this book that we haven't even seen him. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. way there's way more happening with him than has has been since basically since Jeff Johns uh, took over the book with uh, Green Lantern Rebirth. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> if he's not, if he doesn't happen in, uh, if he doesn't show up in this Rise of the Third Army thing, because you guys got to remember, both listeners and you guys need to remember that every time uh, in multiple interviews that Jeff Johns has interviewed about the Rise of the Third Army, he says that the Rise of the Third Army is precluding something bigger that's coming. So there's a huge storyline coming. So we, so he promises, but Jeff Johnson does usually doesn't disappoint on promises like that. Plus, yeah. 
Tony Bedard is keeping some secrets and he, he keeps dropping hints and, and that kind of thing. So something bigger is coming. You know, the, the rise of the third army is just uh, a prelude to something else. So if, if Abin Sir doesn't come back in some way for rise of the third army, I guarantee you he'll be back in the next storyline. Maybe he'll be the ref in the crypto rage kitty fight. That uh, the first lantern has anything to do with Larfleys? No, no. Maybe the. F- well, wait. In what way? I don't know. Um, I'm not sure if this is somebody that might be related to Larfleys or somebody that has associated with Larfleys, because, <clears throat> like, we know that Larfleys has been around for a really long time. And this guy clearly also has been around a really long time. Love of Larfleys just sees him. He's like, Carl? <laughs> Wait, do you think, and this is obviously has nothing to do with this book, but I thought I'd ask anyways. Do you think Larfleys is alive over a billion years because of his race or because that's what the ring, one of the side effects of him wearing the ring? Ring? Ring. <coughs> well, I would, I would suspect the ring, but they've teased it enough that we know that at some point Larflees is going to see his family again. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that kind of makes me wonder how that's going to be possible, unless they're resurrected. No, no, because I think they've mentioned that they're still out there and alive. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, I mean, well. We have a character that does nothing but bring people back to life. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure, like, yeah, like, there is that as a possibility, but I'm pretty sure that it's come up that they're out there. Hmm. And that, that's Maybe. why he wanted Sade in the first place, to go find them. I don't think they ever said. They said, they, they alluded to some errand that she was on, but I don't think they ever said what it was. I don't know. What do you guys think of the Van Skyver art? I liked it. You know what I really liked about it? I really liked the fact that uh, he draws Black Hand with the, the the Black Lantern symbol in the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I like how that symbol... I didn't notice it at first, but at the end there when Hal and Sinestro are, are uh, getting sucked up, that close-up shot where you set where Hal says Carol's name, like you can see, like kind of like a twisted Black Lantern symbol in his eye. What'd you think oh, and sorry, what? What'd you think of it? I liked it for the most part. I had one big problem with it. I, I think like all of like the figures in here are really well done. I had no big pro- I had no problems with that. The problem I had was that, and I don't remember if Van Skyver's done this before or if it was another artist, but there's almost no backgrounds or settings in this entire book. Like you have that opening se- graveyard scene. Like, as when you get to that, like, the first page with the Guardians, they're floating nowhere. 
then you get to the graveyard scene and that that takes that does really well to establish where this is and what's going on this it makes the setting and uses the setting as an important piece of the story the instant the scene changes it's just like almost the entire rest of the issue is just characters in front of a background color like even when they're blatantly it like some like when they go inside that chamber like sometimes like you'll see this a random panel here and there with like a green design on the wall behind them but that's basically it and like it, it's just like a color or a pattern or a tree behind figures that are just kind of floating in space and occasionally you'll see a horizon line or ground like you you don't really get a good feeling of like the place until the last page of the story where it's the top panel of the guardians standing blatantly in the middle of some trees you know i'll be honest i think that <laughs> kind of works to the benefit of the story because of oh, the I fact think. that well you're talking you're like it takes place in a graveyard um you know, they have this, this big fight between Black Hand and Hal Jordan. Uh, you got the Guardians. It's almost like without having the backgrounds to kind of <laughs> anchor things, you know, you, you're left to kind of like, you know, you, you either have to figure it out or it's just like left intentionally creepy. What's creepy? Creepy is a big creepy cemetery. Creepy is not like a a bunch of miscellaneous figures just kind of floating in space. Well, I mean, like, when you have a panel, like, with, say, <laughs> Sinestro using the shovel to, you know, lodge it in Black Hand's neck, you know, it's all dark, and you have, like, rain teeming down. Um, you know, you have, like, I guess, like, a beam of light. It's just, like, you know, for me, I'm looking at Black Hand. And then I'm looking at Sinestro. That's what I'm looking at on the page. I'm not looking to see a gravestone in the background of that. And in the next page, you know, you see a panel where, you know, you have the gate, you have the, the stone structure. So you know that they are in, you know, a graveyard. I think there's yeah. enough backgrounds that establish the location without getting in the way. No, like, and I agree about the Sinestro page. Like, there are there are moments in storytelling where it is, it is definitely appropriate to approach things like this, but you can't do almost an entire issue that way. I mean, I I honestly I don't think that, like, I think that there are enough backgrounds in this. And I mean, when when the Guardians are in that, you know, the Chamber of Shadows, it's a Chamber of Shadows. <laughs> I mean, the part that the the old Guardians are in, it's like, you know, it's a stone ground, and it is very dark in there. I mean, I, I think that the the effect of, you know, the light being cast on their faces, either from the door being opened or the light coming off the old guardian's eyes. Um, I think it's far more, it has far more impact like with, with it just being, you know, black. Yeah. I mean, look, I count 12 pages of this entire story that actually has backgrounds in them. And like, after a while, like 
<clears throat> like, in my opinion, like, that first scene with Hal and Blackhand in the cemetery, like, up until where it jumps to the Guardians in Purple Land, like, that is the best-looking piece of this entire issue. Because it's the most balanced, it's the, it's the part that actually cares about where it is as much as it cares about who's there and what they're doing. And after that, it felt like they just got really lazy and said, you know what? People are only going to care about the plot. Let's not even bother. And it really hits me. Like, like that scene where the Guardians and their Leprechaun buddies start to really go at it in that one page before it cuts back to Black Hand again. Like, that... Things like that really make it jump out at me that, oh, yeah, there's they're nowhere. They're in a place called the Chamber of Shadows. Yeah, and so what, it's, it's dark in there all the time, everywhere. There's no, there's nothing physically there. There's never any light. Yeah, well, when they roll the freaking door open, <clears throat> all you see is their, their eyes. Like, why would you go to the trouble, then, of putting, like, this ornate green wall behind them if you're just going to have that there just as, what, like, a set piece sometimes if you feel like it? Otherwise, it's just, let's just spill some ink on the page and call it a day. Well, I I mean, it, it worked for me. I mean, this is, like, the artwork in general was way too zoomed in most of the time. They didn't pay nearly enough attention. They paid almost no attention to setting, and it just, it, it really sucks, because everything that Van Skyver did with the actual characters looked great. It just, like, I, like, if, I feel like if I just looked at the, the pencils of this, or the inks of this issue, I would feel like I was flipping through somebody's commission sketchbook. What you call it? Is Necron, like, actually dead? <laughs> Uh-uh. As long as Black Hand doesn't die again. But he did. Necron can't be killed. Yeah. Necron can't be killed. And that's why they brought Black Hand back to life to sever his connection to Necron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What happened... Didn't, like, something happen with him in Brightest Day or something? Necron? Yeah. No. Wasn't that whole thing like, like, Necron became Swamp Thing or something like that? No. Um, uh, uh, the um, uh, what, if I remember, I was like a mental imprint, quote unquote, of Necron imprinted over uh, Swamp Thing. Oh. It wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't Necron himself. And one thing of note there, too, um, in this book is one of the things, you know, how it's been saying, let me out throughout all the books. It says it through Black Hand's ring, too. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not just the emotional spectrum. It's also death as well. Yeah. Well, speaking of rings, uh, Hal and Sinestro's rings kind of leave them as they get sucked up into death or whatever. Uh, they remerge into one ring and go off in search of a successor, which I'm assuming will be our new guy in number zero. <laughs> and it keeps saying error. I'm assuming that has something to do with 
Hal and Sinestro each wanting it to go to someone completely different <laughs> at the time that it got sent off on its way. Well, um, Sinestro says we have time to leave one message. And then Hal says, Carol, dash, dash. And then they're blasted hmm. off and then the, the ring starts to reform into one. So how much time do you think passes between... <laughs> Him saying Carol and the ring merging together. And do, do you think that means the ring has a message for Carol? That, you know, is, is Hal just saying Carol like, oh my god, this is the last thing he's thinking before he dies? Or is Carol dash dash the start of the message that he's leaving? I think it's the start of a full message. Because, I mean, he, he, he would want to... to to leave her something anyway. Plus, she knows all this crap already, and so he could point her at the Guardians and say, look, you have to get as many people as you can and stop this. Hmm. Seems kind of odd that the rings merge back hmm. into one. Why? Well, because since they went to knock, they removed the the uh, the influence, like I mean, as no, far they as didn't remove the influence. They they, they, they changed the relation. Yeah, they changed the relationship. Yeah, they it still had the influence. They just switched which one had was dominant. Yeah, that's it's so they're that's not their own ring still. That's exactly I mean, what they did. <laughs> I I know, but I think I think it's it's BS that. Sinestro couldn't create an actual permanent ring that wasn't going to get sucked back into his. Well, I'm sure Sinestro also didn't think Hal and him were going to die. <laughs> it's not like it just happened when it ran out of power. It happened when they quote-unquote died. <laughs> Speaking of which, epilogue? Okay. Epilogue, go for it. Epilogue, alright. So, the Guardians, you know, after a delightful dead body... Uh, the Guardians start to siphon off power from the First Lantern, which, you know, if, <laughs> at first, it looks like it starts to give them incurable diseases, but in, th instead, this turns out to be a good thing that they wanted to have happen, because they're in, like, the grossest... Like, if Van Skyver drew this, it would be the grossest thing I've ever seen. Because they start to manifest these boils that just, just come off of their flesh and form a big floaty flesh ball in the middle of them and then it starts to grow and glow with lightning and and becomes this grotesque creature that is, you know, that's the third army creature thing that we've been seeing in the background of images for a while, for a few months now. <clears throat> um, and, you know, he has you know, he's got the whole exposed brain thing going on. His eyes are... He, he's, he's basically, he's born of their flesh. He's, he's, he's... Oh, God, what am I even saying? Whatever. Anyway, random guy shows up to check out what's going on. This newly created monster jumps him and infects him. You know, he his mouth grows it over itself with skin. His skin bleaches itself. His heart... He doesn't even rip it out. It just forcefully ejects itself from his body. And he stands up as a 
clone of the first per- third army person. <laughs> Except he has human eyes still. They're like really wide and unblinking and weird looking. And the Guardians point out, you know, all of his organic matter has been rewritten, his heart's gone, his mind is completely decimated. There's nothing left. The Guardians then give each third armier a job, and I can't decide which is more absurdly impossible. The first one is told to go out and convert the universe. The second is told to go out and convert this planet filled with super beings. And the Guardians fly away, presumably to do more good deeds. It's not impossible at all. All they have to do is touch another living being, and then they have backup. All right, so kill them from a distance. You know, it, it, it's just like the sheer scope, you know? I, it's like replicators from Stargate. You know, like, these things can repopulate, like, you know, populate for the first time super quick. You know, rep- replicators can also absorb any and all energy thrown at them. So until we see that from these guys... I'm going to assume one of them wouldn't. One of them versus the universe wouldn't be fair. Well, I mean, it's it's not going to be one versus the universe. It's one who's going out on a mission to convert the whole universe. One, you know, starting with one, and then with two, and then with four, and then with eight, you know, mm. and sixteen, and so on and so on yeah. until you have millions. Um, what you call it? The thing that I, you know, well. The only thing that I really like about the design of these monsters is the fact that where the heart, fit, you know, ejects itself from their bodies is the the symbol, which is somewhat like the, you know, like a new version of the Green Lantern symbol. Yeah. <clears throat> what do you think about the eyes? Creepy. I mean, it's just the artist. I thought this looked so dumb. Like, especially when they're standing right next to each other, and the one has regular person eyes, and the other has these completely vacant, white, eerie stare. I'm like, that's why can't you have that? <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, I don't know. This, I'm not really looking forward to this. You know, what this third army is going to be doing. Yeah, what do you guys think about that? The the plan is apparently to do this to absolutely every living thing in the entire universe. Yeah, I, I mean, for starters, I think that's a boring concept. <clears throat> um, only because, like, to me, you know, I've seen that story before, and it's not something that's really interested me in the past. You know, <clears throat> hence me not being a big fan of, like, zombie stories. And that brings up my next point. The fact that, you know, the, the Third Army is now basically Jeff Johns's third zombie story. You know? Have you, have you guys noticed that? Here you have, like, a, you know, super-powered zombies that control, you know, are controlled by the Guardians. They're going to go out and create more zombies. The last big story arc, War of the Green Lanterns, you had all of the Green Lanterns being taken over. They were basically like zombies that Krona could do whatever he wanted with. And the one before that was Blackest Night, where the dead came back to life and 
tried to create more dead who would also then come back to life and kill more people that were alive. So it's just been a trend of zombie stories over and over again. Yeah. I think the most interesting thing about this one is the fact that the Guardians are very blatantly the bad guys this time around. Yeah. Um, I mean, as much as I'm not looking forward to what the Third Army is going to be doing, I'm looking forward to, like, every other aspect of the story. Like, I'm dying to know who this First Lantern is. Because, like you said, the only reason to keep him in shadow is because he might actually be somebody that we recognize. You know, but then the question is, who could he even be that we would recognize? Yeah. <clears throat> actually, somebody... I don't know if it was on the forums, or if it was Mark, or somebody who posted that it might be interesting if the first lantern was Parallax, like Hal Jordan as Parallax that had gone back in time. Hmm. It was uh, it was a listener of ours on Twitter. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Was it Zach Bender? Yes. That would be interesting. <clears throat> Chad, what did you think of this epilogue? Um... I think the uh, the human copy of the Third Army Lantern uh, is signif- is uh, kept that way because it's supposed to be significant. Yeah. But if it is kept that way because it's supposed to be significant, they sure as hell did write themselves into a corner with their Guardian's response to uh, the eyes not changing. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I presume that someone's eventually going to figure out how to reverse this process somehow. Maybe even the first lantern or something. It's like, it's probably supposed to like amp up the danger that, you know, it's a big reminder to the cores fighting them that these are regular people that will be fighting and killing, you know? Um, and, Sorry, by the way, just interrupting. It was Dwayne uh, Feenstra who oh, on Twitter? did the... Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. So <coughs> shout out to Dwayne. Yep. Yeah, thanks, Dwayne. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case, but I think it would be neat. Interesting, yeah. yeah. Did either of you guys watch the real Ghostbusters cartoon? Um... I did as a kid. I don't remember anything about it, though. Yeah, same here. Why? Okay. Because, like with the rest of the issue, when I read... Like, it, some like a memory just recovered and jumped out at me when I was reading this thing. Because, like... <clears throat> like, I, there was, like, an episode of that cartoon where for, somehow the Ghostbusters got covered in this, like, reddish slime. It was, it was like, making them sick. It was growing. It was expanding the cover of their bodies gradually over time. And it just started growing. Like, like one of them grew a giant ear on his chest, and another had a giant eye, that kind of stuff. And it eventually all left them and formed into one giant monster in the middle. And, like, I 
I, I felt like I was w- reliving watching that episode when I watched the Guardians grow these boils and then shoot it out into a ball and make this third army, dude. Someone out there will agree. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I'm just I just keep on trying to figure out who the hell this first lantern is. Right here and now, I'd like to to coin the phrase third army disease, which can henceforth be referred to as TAD. Um, Justice League 12? Sure. Oh, by the way, rating for this issue. Oh, bye. Bye. Borrow. The art. Man, the art. And the fact that despite the content of the story, I could not take it seriously all the way through. So Justice League 12 was the uh, controversial issue, quote-unquote, that... uh, I say quote-unquote a lot. Um, Yeah. it was the the controversial issue that um, took the media by storm, just because the cover featured a Wonder Woman tying up some, uh, uh, Superman and them embracing in a kiss in the sky. Uh, you know, Superman can't be with Wonder Woman; he has to be with Lois Lane, kind of stuff. Um, but it opens with the the Justice League, um, you know, fighting one another. They're not the heroes they think they are. Kind of exposition recapturing some of the stuff that's been going on up until now. Uh, you know, it's the, the, they, they continue the storyline um, with Graves and facing the ghosts, and and eventually that storyline ends um, in this in this issue. Uh, kind of causes the Justice League to take a, a hard look at themselves and how they've been operating as a team. Um, there's some setup for Team Seven stuff in here. Uh, Wonder Woman and uh, Steve Trevor kind of finally, once and for all, cut ties. It seems um, the Justice League is on the Watchtower, uh, evaluating their their uh, life and what they've done as a team. Uh, Aquaman says that they need you know to be more structured, and you know we need to start acting like the team people think we are. Uh, you know, so on and so forth. And then uh, Green Lantern suddenly and out of nowhere has a a moment of reflection and we're not gods and decides to leave the Justice League and then disappears by teleporting away, which if you read some Lantern books, apparently that's not possible. Um, But (laughs) whatever. Um, And Hal says, I'll be rooting for you. Uh, and uh, then we cut to, uh, you know, I'm trying to give a short recap here, but uh, Wonder Woman and um, Superman, are they talking on, yeah, they are, uh, the Lincoln Memorial uh, in D.C., uh, and then, you know, I'm alone, well, you're alone, and there's no one like us, and that kind of whole thing. Uh, and uh, they kiss under the moonlight. Uh, and then uh, Amanda Waller asked David Graves <laughs> to write a book, called the villain's journey blah 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 and then pre you know the uh, future you know the, the the typical stuff jeff johns does flashing 
forward to future storylines. <clears throat> the upcoming one with Cheetah, Aquaman leaving, leading Atlantis against an attack on the Justice League and the surface world. Uh, Captain Marvel, or I guess Shazam, he's now called, going up against Superman in the Justice League. Uh, Cyborg and Batman talking about a traitor brought into the ranks of the Justice League when they opened up the ranks of the Justice League. And then coming in 2013, Pandora opening a box, uh, Batman and Superman fighting, uh, the breaking up of a Justice League, and then the tease of the image I'm sure you've all seen by now. The uh, Jeff Johns and David Finch written Justice League of America <laughs> title um, with the hodgepodge group of characters that we've talked about uh, in... What, episode 140-something, Jim? 141? Um, you and I talked about this? Sure, 141. Okay. So, that's that. Okay. Yeah, the... Well, how do you feel about Hal Jordan quitting? This is the topic I mentioned before we even started recording that I wanted to bring up that I'm glad you're here for now, Dan, so you can get oh. some more mileage out of it. Okay. I think Jeff Johns is finally, once and for all, and I've been holding off on saying this for a long time now until I actually believed it was true. Jeff Johns is finally suffering from spreading himself too thin. Think hmm. about Justice League. Think about Green Lantern. Think about Aquaman. <clears throat> Think about your reaction to each of those books. They're good, yes. The art, it's great. Top talents, yes. But each of those books, the storylines don't fizzle anymore. There's a page turn reveal, and you have these moments in each book where you're like, oh my god, you're, you feel like you're supposed to be like that. But you never quite get the lead up and the... the the intensity and the, the, the moment building leading up to that page turn holy shit moment. You mm. feel like you should be going, oh my god, but you don't have that reaction anymore. And I think it's suff I think it's because <laughs> Jeff Johns is suffering from spreading himself too thin. And then and the the other part I had um, that connects more directly into the Hal Jordan leaving thing. These books, the New 52 was created to um, kind of relaunch the universe, get new readers in by releasing it day and date digitally as well, uh, kind of start over with a new continuity. I think these books are really screwing the pooch now, are starting to screw the pooch now when it comes to building continuity within their universe. Think of Red Lanterns and the interaction between Blees and Fatality, and then Red Lanterns in the or, or and then New Guardians in the interaction between Blees and Fatality. There, think of Hal Jordan in uh, Justice League of America, and think of Hal Jordan in Green Lantern. I mean, just I, he suddenly disappears out of nowhere just to to save face for, you know, we got to explain him away being away from the Justice League because he's got this other thing going on in, in, in Rise of the Third Army. Like, there's... And, and there are other books that I'm reading outside of the Lantern titles that kind of have that continuity glitch problem where they're not really working cohesively together to say, well, I got this book with this character that you're using in this book, and 
here's what's been going on in my book, you know, that kind of a thing. I don't know if the DC guys are required to do that. I don't know if comic writers that work for a big company are even ever supposed to be required to do something like that. But for a, an initiative like the New 52 to have a sole purpose of bringing in new readers and relaunching everything and kind of be more cohesive, it's starting to fall apart, and, and it, it, at least in terms of continuity building, at least for me. I could be completely off base, but at least for me, it's falling apart, slowly, but noticeably. I don't know if I would say it's falling apart so much as they haven't really tried to do it very much yet. Just because, I mean, <clears throat> I for one like the fact that I can read like my Wonder Woman issue and just get a really good Wonder Woman issue. Like I don't really need any other re- any like reference or whatever to the rest of the DC universe as long as I'm enjoying the story they're telling in Wonder Woman, you know, that kind of thing. So the so if you give me a stack of comics that are just doing their own thing in their own corner and doing it well, ultimately I'm going to be happy with it. That said, I I feel like they've been kind of taking the time to build everything up individually before they make a move and start to like to cross pollinate which i feel like we're going to start seeing more now because like they've got the new justice league thing starting up they've they're starting to like make a more concentrated effort to <clears throat> build towards trinity war um um i mean if i i this hasn't gone up on the twitter exclusive yet but Part of the reason I recommend people read the uh, Justice League International Annual that came out to cap off that series is because, like, it's very much a DC Universe move, kind of move the universe forward kind of issue, where it's it starts, it it, it feels like more of like a bigger picture kind of thing. Um, all that said, like. Like, look at what they've been doing. Like, yeah, they've there have been missteps, like the quality of like the Red Lantern crossovers with Stormwatch and all that stuff. But then look at like I don't know if you read this, but if you look at the way Animal Animal Man and Swamp Thing have been slowly pushing their series together from issue one, but you don't really realize it until issue like five, and now they're basically they're telling two sides of the same story for the next year and they have been for the last year and then you look at like the little micro crossovers we had with like uh omac and frankenstein agent of shade um i think firestorm and jli like a bunch of those others well my my main point and i'm sorry to interrupt you but i just wanted to get it before we get too lost in the details my main point because i i kind of forgot Mm -hmm. about it um Hal Jordan. Okay. In the Justice the Justice League, first six issues of the Justice League, the one against Darkseid, that was set five years ago. When we jump to the David Graves story, <clears throat> the villain's journey, that does not take place immediately after the Darkseid story. That no. takes place present day. How can it take place present day when in Green Lantern, present day, Hal Jordan does not have a ring and is off in space working hand in hand with Sinestro. Is he coming back to Earth to work with the Justice League occasionally? Like, what's going on there? You know, uh, the, the, and 
I mean, it, it, it could be solved with even a, the simplest of things three months ago. Or these events take place after the events of. Or something like that. The characters themselves don't even have to reference one another. It's just that particular example of Hal Jordan. That's what really, out of all of them, is really throwing me off. I mean, you may as well say, how can Batman be be fighting the Court of Owls in the Batman title, but be doing whatever he does with the Penguin or something in over in Dark Knight, you know, or how can Guy Gardner be in Green Lantern Corps in space for the last year, yet he, he's he been a part of the Justice League International for the last 13 issues? You know, he's, it's one of those where, like, yeah, you'll have these stories running concurrently, and after the fact, you can look at it and say, okay, well, that probably happened before this. Like, you could say the entire JLI run that Guy was a part of happened sometime during issue one of Green Lantern Corps before he left Earth. You know, I... I thought the problem you're going to have was that Hal acts very different in Justice League than he does in Green Lantern, which... That's I, true, but it's kind of minor to me. Yeah, and I mean, they even addressed it, like, I think this either this issue or last issue, where they're, where they're like, like, I have to deal with so much crap out in space with the Green Lantern Corps. This is like a vacation being with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, my, my feeling... Just overall is, okay, they took the first year to build these properties up on their own to just let them be what they're going to be, and while at the same time starting to play with minor crossovers. And now that we're a year in, now they're starting to push towards like a larger crossover that's going to integrate more of the universe together. I mean, uh, looking ahead to future covers, uh, like Green Lantern number... 13 or something has like i mean look at the new green lantern we're gonna get next issue he shows up i haven't read any of these but he shows up in number zero number 13's cover is him with the justice league and the the end of the justice league teaser from this month is him with his own justice league making up of people from all over the dc universe so like they're there's playing with integra- with integrating these characters. They're just taking their time with it. And what about uh, your thoughts on Jeff Johns spreading himself too thin? I do think because he, he's writing what he's writing three books, four books now. Mm-hmm. Green Lantern, Justice League, Aquaman, and uh, he's also going to be the JLA writer. I think I, rumors are he might be leaving Aquaman. Oh, that's true. Well, that's a shame because. Like, <clears throat> Rumors. In my, that's true. We do know uh, Evan Hayes is leaving Aquaman, though, for Justice League. Right. They did confirm that. But um, I think, like, this show this show proves my thought. Like, I think... Well, not proves, that's the wrong word, but... Um, Green Lantern, I think he's hit or miss. You never know what you're going to get month to month. Um, I think I've given just as many borrows and passes as I have buys. I don't think it's really outnumbered anything. Uh, Justice League, I've enjoyed it more often than not, including issues a lot of other people don't, but I honestly don't agree with their expectations going into a lot of those issues. 
But, like, this whole entire past story arc with Graves has been, like, well, I've really enjoyed what he's done with playing with the characters and their relationships. Did not give a shit about the villain or his story or his plot. I, I don't... Like, so, so like, I... I want to. Say, I can only say he's got like a fifty percent on that book because fifty percent of it I don't care about. And Aquaman, I love Aquaman. I have exactly one bad thing to say about his run on Aquaman, and that is I think each story arc is a, is one issue too long. That's it. I think Aquaman, Aquaman, and Wonder Woman are probably my two favorite DC books. Like, I'm excited to see what he does with JLA, though. Because, like, it's it's really, like, I, I like the fact, you know, talking more about the integration of the DC Universe, I like the fact that if he's going to to put his brand new Human Green Lantern into somebody's team book, that he's still going to be writing that team book. Because now it's it won't mess things up by having two different writers trying to develop this guy on two different fronts the month after he first shows up, you know? And plus, like, I look at that that list of characters on that team, and I... Like, this, this is... This is the kind of group that Jeff Johns earned his reputation writing. So, like, I'm... I'm, real, I'm looking forward to it. Jim, anything to add? Nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. Hmm. He's out of gas. I am. Crashing. Oh, let me just throw this one last thing out there. <laughs> just because I imagine Jim especially will have something to say about it. Uh-huh. I just saw this picture on Facebook. The next... Oh, yeah. Two-figure set of those uh, Comic-Con exclusives. I think the first one was Kyle Rayner and Kilowog. These are the three-and-a-half-inch figures or something. Um, uh, the, <clears throat> this time is John Stewart and Atrocitus. Dumb. Dumb, dumb. Dumb, 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 dumb. How do you feel about why it, pair, <laughs> Why pair John Stewart with Atrocitus? I mean, they both look like great figures, but... When you clearly show all of them the, the the plans for all the future ones and Blaze is a part of it, why wouldn't you pair the two Red Lanterns together? Oh, I, that that would be a horrible idea. You definitely don't want to pair two people from the same core. You want well, like because if there's somebody that only collects Red Lanterns and they're going to go and get Blaze and Atrocitus in one pack and they're not going to care about collecting the rest, it, that's that's like you know, action figure 101. They would never do that. Um, so this way you at least get two sales out of that one person. Right. And also, for some people, like, they want, like, a good guy and a, quote, you know, bad guy. Um, you know, so you would have them, you know, that you could pose them in, like, a fight against each other or something like that. <clears throat> I mean, even with the Kilowog and uh, Kyle, you know, you could pose them in, 
you know, such that Kilowog is training Kyle or something like that. At the um, very least, Kilowog looks like a monster. Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as why they picked Atrocitus and John, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know who you would pair John with that would be better. Mogo? <laughs> Some rocks? <laughs> <laughs> Some corpses? Um, these guys look okay. Um, Atrocitus looks pretty good. John Stewart looks a little... I don't know. Not really feeling the facial sculpt. And... I would have to see Atrocitus closer to really decide, but... I mean, mm-hmm. like... The, the Kyle and Kilowog looked fantastic. Um, they just really look like amazing-looking figures. These guys, they look good. But like the, the constructs they come with? The constructs, well, I'll tell you right now, that's probably a lighting issue. That probably looks yeah. more green when you actually see it in person. Yeah, it doesn't look like a big... It looks like Jon Stewart's holding a big yellow sniper rifle. <laughs> I guess that would probably give him an edge when he's, you know, killing the next Green Lantern. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Yellow gun. <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. Is this going to be something that you guys are looking out for? Probably. Eh. Probably not. Uh, it, if if they make a big deal out of it, and you know a lot of people are trying to get a hold of it, and you have to spend time in line all day mm-hmm. looking for the damn thing, I'll probably just say, "Fuck it" and get it online. Yeah. I mean, but, I'm sure I'll pass by. Like, I assume this will be the graffiti designs booth or something. Where yeah. whatever booth has, is mm-hmm. is raffling these things off or whatever, I imagine I'll buzz by it just to see what the situation is. Like, if there's any sort of line. Like, I would never, never go for it. Yeah, well, you know, it would be really stupid if they do the, you know, the, the ticket and bracelet thing again, because you can go on the Graffiti Designs website and buy Kilowog and Kyle. They're, hmm. they're currently available for sale for $25. You want me to send you the link? No, I'm looking. That's faster. Damn it. No, I just got here. Ah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I actually, I really like that Kyle and Kilowog. Um, I would like to have them. Um, the only thing that is keeping me away is the 750 shipping and handling. So I'm just kind of hoping that maybe I'll see it at New York Comic Con for 25 if not, no big deal. I think that's that. Sounds good. Yep. <clears throat> so, uh, if you want to check us out, we're at lanterncast.com. You can send us an email, lanterncast at gmail.com. Uh, when you go to our website, you can find our Facebook page, our Twitter, our forum, all that jazz. Uh, you can go on iTunes and subscribe to us. Just uh, search for LanternCast, and uh, there we are. You could leave us a review. That would be awesome. 
Um, at this point, I don't think it actually does us any good other than the fact that it makes us feel good. Hmm. <laughs> Which is still nice. And you can leave us a voicemail at 708-LANTERN. You guys looking at the action figures? Little. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's that. Yeah. Um, yeah, by the time by the time they hear this episode, I think uh, either New York Comic Con will be underway or uh, it will have just happened. Yeah. Jeff Fun Chad? How's how's <laughs> your trip? <laughs> Did you get back safe? Well, I well, I was only there for uh, Friday and Sunday, so I don't know. What happened Saturday again? You just had a great time. Okay. I don't know what that means. <laughs> great. Uh, okay. We'll end on a crazy note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good night, everybody. Good night.